Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. I'm Lisa Fisher, a longtime broadcaster and journalist in Arkansas, who's been in front of a microphone or a camera since the 1980s. I think of myself as the queen of Arkansas media. My guest for this episode is Dr. Amy Beard, a functional medicine doctor, and we talk all things women's health, from osteoporosis to mammograms to hormone replacement therapy. You'll get to meet her right after this. Hi friends, it's Osteoporosis Awareness Month and the folks over at Ortho Arkansas want you to be proactive in your approach to this condition. It's not uncommon, as you know, for men and women as they age to break a something, you know, like a a finger or a hip or something. Not good. Osteoporosis is a serious condition. It can be reversed, which is the topic of this podcast. So stay tuned for that, but you have to get informed as to what you're dealing with. I recently had a DEXA scan at Ortho Arkansas. I found out very valuable information. You'll need to check out my Instagram this month to see my results. I'm so relieved I did this. I'm a thyroid patient. I take thyroid medicine, which can contribute sometimes to bone loss. I'm postmenopausal, so a double whammy. But the staff at Ortho Arkansas, they made me feel relaxed. They told me everything that was happening during this 10-minute scan. And get this, they're offering this right now for $35. $35, people. If you're at risk at all, meaning you're a Caucasian woman who's postmenopausal, you've got to get screened. But I'd say anyone over 50 just ought to do this. It's $35. Go to Ortho Arkansas's website, orthoarkansas.com. You'll see the banner ad for the $35 DEXA scan. Call their office, mention these words, amazing bones. Then you'll get that price on the scan. Then follow my journey on my Instagram with my scan and the results during the month of May at Lisa Fisher said. She won most talkative in high school and she has been running her mouth ever since. Welcome to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast with your host, Lisa Fisher. Okay, we're gonna talk about something very important to everybody listening because if you're not a woman, you know a woman. And we're going to talk women's health today. And I've got a whole laundry list. I typically don't even have laundry lists, but I want to make sure we cover everything with you, Dr. Amy Beard, of course, a repeat guest here. And I respect your, obviously your expertise because I use you as a source uh, when I write for AY Magazine or if I tattle to people, I go, Dr. Amy Beard said. <laughs> yeah, and I, don't, I think I, everybody probably does that. Yeah, I don't we, mind we being that person. Bracelet. Yeah, the bracelet <laughs> says, what would Amy Beard do? W-W-A-D-D. Oh, please don't hold me to that A-D-D. standard. <laughs> right. Well, let's talk with something that I'm dealing with right now because we are recording this in May and airing mm-hmm. it in May, but May is Osteoporosis Awareness right. Month. And that's just something that we've all kind of heard out here. Uh, tell me about, kind of define it for me and tell me who's affected and who's really a candidate to see brittle bones. Um. So... You know, as we age, we lose the ability to form new bone um, versus, you know, because the bone is constantly rebuilding itself, breaking it down, rebuilding it. And that process really slows as you age. And there's lots of uh, other contributors um, for bone loss, which is, you know, your sex is one, your um, ethnicity is another, medications can do it as well, menopausal status. These are all things that affect bone health and integrity. Um, And so you, there's some things we can control, some things we can't. But um, you still can 
have healthy, uh, strong bones throughout your life. You just have to take uh, certain precautions. Okay. Well, let's talk about what would you start with as a certain precaution? Okay. Diet. Hands down, what you eat matters. Food is medicine. And we and we know this. Uh, there's It seems to be a bigger issue with uh, Americans versus other places in the world where they don't have so much osteoporosis in you know their elderly white population. Um, so for me, it, it really comes down to diet, making sure that we're putting into our body what we need to put into it, especially with regards to gut health because um, osteoporosis (laughs) has a um, a big immune component to it so whenever there is immune dysregulation or systemic inflammation there will be bone loss and your gi tract and your gi microbiome has a huge role in that so so start with gut health Right. Our microbiome now, though, is cumulative from since the day we came through a birth canal, we either vaginally or through C-section. We know that's that's for starters. Right. So what can we do now to maybe reverse some of that damage and start building the good things for our gut health that affect our bones? So it's it's not rocket science, right? It's just cleaning up your diet. If we if I could get women to start paying better attention to what they're putting into their mouths as far as get rid of the processed foods, okay? That that's it's it's not it's not food. Um and then you have to start um you know, do a lot of women go throughout, you know, their whole life not understanding that they have um food sensitivities or intolerances that are contributing to their uh immune dysregulation, systemic inflammation load. So having food sensitivities affects then the population of bacteria and your microbiome? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So and, and, putting, and, yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and I'm just and, sitting here thinking about the things that we say, oh yeah, my hips kind of bother me after I eat that, but it's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. It's your yes. body's way of saying this isn't working for you. Something's not right. And having, uh, you know, I have food sensitivities and they went undiagnosed for decades. And I had the bones in my 30s. I was told you have the bones of a 60 year old, Amy. And that was before I knew that I had, you know, brittle bones. I, I fell, broke my wrist in my 30s. And so oh that was gosh. a big, and I was, and I had a lot of broken bones as a child as well, when your bones are supposed to be really resilient. And so um, I cleaned up my diet. I finally realized after going through an elimination reintroduction diet, I had issues with wheat, whey, and eggs. And so once I got rid of those, um, you know, I had uh, other diagnostics ran on my bones and they had improved greatly and no more broken so bones. So you reversed it. You really yes. reversed it. Uh-huh. I did. Well, um, as a thyroid patient, that that is the only medicine I take. But I know my endocrinologist would always tell me that um, a woman's coloring had a lot. He didn't want to give me too much medicine because he mm-hmm. said he's worried about risk of bone loss. And he said, but he goes, what's in your court, Lisa, is dark hair, dark eyes and Russian Jewish descent. Mm-hmm. He said women of lighter coloring like you, lighter mm-hmm. eyes 
He said, we see, now this was 15 years ago. Right. I don't know if that's still the thinking now, but he said, we're seeing that they're seeing more brittle bones as they age. Is there something with where you're from on the globe and what your possibly, ethnicity is? Possibly. You know, we do know that the darker your skin, the more at risk you are for vitamin D deficiency. Is that right. is that a bad thing? Good thing? I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. It might serve that population to have lower vitamin D levels. I don't yeah. know. That's isn't that crazy? I've I've got redheads and they're allergic to everything. I mean, they're on the wrong planet, right? But they're, <laughs> because they're redheads, the only thing in their favor is their vitamin D is great. Yeah, vitamin D is best among redheads. Yes, and I guess because they're so sensitive that they absorb it. Well, they don't have I mean, a lot of melanin like in their skin blocking yeah. it as well. Yes. Oh, which those of us with vitiligo, as you see, yeah. that means, yeah. oh, I'm, so, I may be absorbing it quicker than I thought. Because I, I did see a sunburn last week, and I've yeah. never really had a sunburn. I'm sure it's because my body's mad at me. You know, that's why I don't, <laughs> I don't make melanin anymore. <laughs> Just yeah. one of those things. So um, what about supplementation then? What do you think about um, calcium, magnesium, vitamin D? What do you think about over-the-counter stuff? Okay, so I think there's a lot of women who are over-supplementing with calcium. Uh, there's, okay. there, you know, yes, it is a critical component of bone structure. Vitamin D, uh, K1, K2, calcium, magnesium, collagen, uh, boron, strontium, lots of those things. And so there's not like there's one more important than the other. And they all have to be in balance, see? And what we're doing when we're over-supplementing with calcium is we're getting out of balance. And a lot of that calcium uh, will end up into your joint spaces, you know, uh, your arteries and things like that where we don't necessarily want it. Well, I had a friend who was put on calcium after maybe the birth of a baby and would have kidney stone after mm-hmm. kidney stone yes. after kidney stone. And then they went back and said, oh, and she was a small framed, blonde, blue eyed girl. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Nothing to her. And she would, uh, you, you, I mean, you'd hear from her and she'd go on back in the hospital. And then they reversed <sighs> all that. It took away the kidney stones. Yes. And so I, will it contribute then yes, to kidney stones? Yes. And in fact, uh, that's what I would see when I was in the ER was the women who were coming in with kidney stones, you would look over their med list and their supplement list and they would be on calcium supplementation. So I was, mm. even back then I was like, uh-oh, there, that might be the issue. Is there a link then? Sometimes I'll see that if you take calcium, you make, you need to make sure you're taking this much magnesium. I love me some magnesium now, mm-hmm. so but I don't really, I mean, I forget, I take calcium once a month when right. I think, oh, I've got to take calcium. Yeah. So is there a connection between the two? Yes, and it's really uh, it's really the K2 component. K2 is what helps uh, regulate the calcium um, into your bone and not into the arteries. And K2 is made where? The GI microbiome. Oh, Wow. Well, that, that's, that that's, that's, yeah. Uh, and so that's, you know, again, the, the microbiome comes back into play. Green leafy vegetables, uh, all of that good stuff. So, and now we're in summertime and their farmer's markets are mm-hmm. plenty, And so you really don't have an excuse right now. Now's the time to, to grab all that. Right. So is that something you're telling people incorporate leafy greens every day yes. into your diet? Yes, because there's so many other reasons to consume them. It's not just about bone health. It's good for your entire body. The, the, the body's nothing but a big balancing act 
of nutrients. And so, and, 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 and we'd like to divide the body up into, oh, bones, brain, heart, kidneys. What's, what's good for all of those? You know, it's good for everything is what I keep finding, you know? Yeah. Definitely true. And you mentioned the uh, processed foods uh, just because I'm, you know, long time intermittent faster and you just end up eating less throughout the day. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm pickier on my foods. And I realized, I mean, I guess (laughs) I'm some kind of genius. Everyone knows this. Processed foods don't fill me up. Like a bag of potato chips wouldn't satisfy me. But if I went in there and had a big salad with chicken and almonds and cranberries and all the things with good, healthy fats on the Mm -hmm. dressing, I'm stuffed. I can actually, I have to push it away. So I realized that there is something about processed foods that mess with your brain. Because they mess with your GI microbiome, which is directly connected to your brain. So what do processed foods do to our microbiome then? Um, It... It causes a lot of dysbiosis, a lot of GI inflammation, causes a lot of the, the, the wrong population of bacteria to thrive, can also lead to candida overgrowth and things like that. And, you're, and then you start seeing problems creep up. Yeah. We see it all the time yeah. in my practice. That's There's really nothing, interesting. It, it, it not only does it not provide your body the nutrients it needs, but it also causes a lot of uh, immune dysregulation, uh, leaky gut, systemic inflammation. So eat real food. Yes, please. So many of yeah. our chronic problems could be eliminated if people would just do that. What, what's your opinion then on the osteoporosis medications or supplementation? There's a once a year shot, you know, you know I, all I'm these not, different things. Okay. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not a fan because they have side effects. And I know uh, two women off the top of my head that after they got the injection, they were never the same. They were literally like what, how? bedridden. Are you yes, serious? they had that type of reaction to it. And so then when when I saw that and, you know, one of these ladies, her, her, her daughter is a physician and her daughter is the one that's like, Amy, she got this. And then now mm. she's a totally different lady. And so we started researching. And, yeah, I mean, there's. The there's increased, especially the um, the one that starts with an F, the injection, um, you know, it's increased risk for thigh bone fractures. Hello. OK, uh, we're trying to avoid that. Right. And now there's an increased <laughs> risk of thigh bone fractures and mm. jaw necrosis, eye inflammation, uh, AFib, esophageal cancers. Like, what are we doing here? And, and, and these injections and don't address the root cause of osteoporosis. They so just you're treat the symptoms. Yes. Right. Addressing the gut um, microbiome imbalances mm-hmm. and everything else. Then yeah. You can do these things. So you're saying like in your case, you reversed your condition. Yes. So were you true osteoporosis or maybe mild osteopenia at that, that time? Or do they you know? called me osteoporosis. In my thirties, wow. in your thirties, yes, and you were like a big time athlete. You mm-hmm. were doing things that we thought helped build bone by, um, yes, you know, having aerobic activity and some other things. Right, wow. and wow, I was wow, uh, wow. I was in uh, residency at the time. You know, a lot of stress. It's also the t- at the same time I thought I had MS, so there was a lot of inflammation and immune dysregulation occurring in my body. 
And, and, and the osteoporosis was just another symptom of that. Girl, you were a mess at that time. I was. And and I know we've discussed this before, but kind of tell people where you were and what your different diagnoses were and how you've changed that. Because didn't you lose like part of your colon or had a resection? I mean, yeah. I mean, all, all the things you don't want, especially in your thirties and as a young resident, a medical school resident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you really have to go back as a child. It was chronic strep infections. I even had problems with constipation and IBS, hyperactivity in my early years, which were, you know, big red flags, but I just had pills thrown at them. And then it developed into anxiety, depression as a teenager, went to restless leg syndrome, worsening anxiety and depression, horrible acne, um, IBS, um, and then it came to the point where I had every itis under the sun, you know, neuropathy, could not feel the bottom of my feet when I ran, um, would wake up in muscle spasms where I couldn't wear, you know, even move my neck for a week at a time. And I was trying to live life like this, right? Chronic pain. Um, and and finally, the constipation was so bad, nothing worked. Uh, and we made the decision. It was like, okay, you've got to have your, most of your colon removed because I just could not see a life of enemas the rest you know they want to do that who wants to do that and i just couldn't deal with it anymore and so uh, we made the decision to remove most of my colon i have 18 inches left uh and guess what problems did not go away i I went from constipation to diarrhea all day long and worsening symptoms and new symptoms chronic fatigue could not get enough rest and it was just, okay, what is going on? And that's when I had that uh, chance meeting. And it wasn't a chance. It was God sending me somebody to say, Amy, this is the way. <laughs> and that's when I, I stumbled across functional medicine. And it's literally saved my life. Yeah, totally has. Um, and again, a competitive athlete, you're out in the sun, you're doing all the things. But what was your diet like then? <laughs> And what's your diet like now? I was a oh, resident. As she, as she okay. As a, as a resident, it was eat food, whatever you could, you know, just junk, diet Cokes all day. Diet Coke fiend, what horrible for you, like absolutely horrible, but I was a Diet Coke fiend. And it was just, you know, the hospitals don't have the healthiest foods. Come on. It was candy so, in your pockets, you know. So doesn't Diet Coke, don't those uh, drinks also contribute to bone loss? Absolutely. The, the high phosphorus content alone in sodas can do that. It can cause, you know, calcium loss, but it's also the systemic inflammation they cause in your GI tract. Get so off the diet time, Yeah, there's never a time you're thinking, man, I got a hankering for a diet Pepsi. There's never, <laughs> right? It never happens to me anymore. It just doesn't. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm over that. Uh, water pretty much is my go-to now. Clean, yeah. adulterated, filtered water. Well, what about caffeine? Does that contribute to bone loss? It can. Coffee or anything? It can. It just depends on what's what your what else is going on in your body. You know, if if you're high, if you're stressed out, and you've got lots of cortisol is real high, and adding caffeine to the mix might not be the best thing for you at that time. I have a cup of coffee every morning, and that's about about my limit. Did some people you think it will, this is what I'm learning in health coaching school, the term bio-individuality, yes. that what works for you may not work for me. It Correct. may work for Paul. It may work for, I mean, mm-hmm. we just don't know. Right. So 
Is that your limit you think on coffee? Because other people think they thrive. They think they think better. You know, intermittent fasters love it to get them through the fat. I just right. happen. I don't like it. Right. So I'm, I'm not even a candidate. But do you feel like some people could tolerate more? I do. But I question why you're craving it and why you're needing it. If you're needing a caffeine throughout the day, something's all, either you're not getting good sleep, restorative sleep at night. Why do you need caf- Why do you need your caffeine fix? Well, what do you think about then adrenals at that point? Because, you know, people blow out their adrenals with all the caffeine. They do. And they can't get out of bed in the morning and then they needed to get through the day. And then at five o'clock, they have this crazy energy mm-hmm. boost. It's because things are out of whack. Yes. What, what's a way to kind of diagnose that and treat that? Well, you know, I just tell people to get that the whole caffeine coffee debate is, you know, I, it's still caffeine is a drug, all right? It's something you don't need. Yeah. You can still yeah. live without it. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people just to maybe get off of coffee and caffeine altogether and see what your body does. Does it eventually feel better? Are you sleeping better? Are you less anxious? Okay, there you go. Maybe it's not your friend. Or maybe you need <laughs> yeah. to cut back a little bit and only have you know a half a cup a day. If you really, really like it, it's all just a, you know, risk reward balancing act and listening to your body and, and and what is it telling you? What's your opinion on the blood testing that people can send in like Everly Wells one, it shows food sensitivities. Um, I, you know, I've done all the things, mm-hmm. so I want to know <laughs> your opinion on the best way to address food sensitivity. For me personally, and I've been doing this for a while now, the an elimination reintroduction diet is hands down the gold standard. The the app the food allergy panels have a place, but if you do those while you have a lot one of, uh, in a person who has a lot of gut permeability, you're going to get a ton of false positives because. Those oh, things are leaking across the gut, okay. right? When they normally, and okay. this is what we see time and time again. You get the results back. People are freaking out because they think they are, you know, have a sensitivity to, you know, 50 different foods. And that's simply not the case. It might just be one or two and that's it. But because it's done on a, on a gut that is permeable at the time, you get a lot of false positives. So what we do is just have them do an elimination reintroduction diet. Um, and then if they're still having problems after that, then we might do a panel just to pick up some kind of random food sensitivity that they might have. Have you seen the Thrive um test that looks at your, it tells you the health of your microbiome. Mm-hmm. You have to send in a little thing of. Yeah. Poop, yeah. Yeah. Which was the hardest part. But, um, so I got my back and it said <laughs> my gut health was like 86% good. But it, one thing it said, it said <laughs> kind of offensive. I have the gut health a hundred percent of somebody who's overweight of heavy, of a heavy person. And I'm, I'm not, I mean, my weight's right. pretty I mean, Pretty good. I yeah. Again, it lead an intermittent fasting lifestyle. So does that mean I'm defying what my gut health, what my gut's hmm. telling my DNA, or I just don't think they I, know what. There's st- it's still uncharted territory. They're learning more and more yeah. about the microbiome, but there's still so much to learn, uh, and we're all different. 
You know, the, yeah, the population right. of our guts are going to vary. Yes, you can make some generalizations, but that's about it. And the stool studies I like to use, you have to collect your, your poop three days in a row, not just once, but three days. Oh, okay. And we also are checking like a short chain fatty acid composition, calcium D, glucose activity, enzyme activity. We're checking out a whole lot of other things to really see the function of your GI tract, not just the population that inhabit it, inhabits it. Is that on your website? Can I send people to your website and maybe they can order we your stool ha- test or is that something you only have to do? You have to, come, you have to a become patient. a patient. Uh, we're kind of thinking about maybe offering that as a standalone product. We're, we're uh, actually in discussions yeah. about doing that right now. So uh, we just don't want to well, send people. I vote. Yeah. I vote yes. <laughs> it's just that a lot of times people get those reports back and they're like, what does this mean? What do I do? You know, and uh, you have to look at those results in conjunction with a person's lifestyle and medical history to really get a good interpretation. Um, Let's talk about some other things, women. So osteoporosis, obviously we know uh, is compromised. Maybe the older we get, Mm -hmm. I guess I would assume that estrogen has something to do with our bones. Absolutely. And the, so would you, do you ever consider then HRT, hormone replacement therapy with bioidentical mm-hmm. estrogen replacement for, to keep our bones or maybe the balance of yes. uh, all the different hormones? Yeah. And it really applies to your thin white women. Those are the ones I see that really benefit the most from that. Um, but, you know, there's, there's women in other countries who don't need hormone replacement therapy to maintain their bone health. So again, it's like, what is going on in this country Mm -hmm. that is causing this? And so we Mm -hmm. have to have a discussion with the woman talking about the risk and the benefits of using hormone replacement therapy or BHRT. And I I let them make up their mind. And, uh, you know, if, if they feel like they're, they feel better on it, their, their, their bone health is improving, then we may want to, you know, consider continuing using it, but it has its risk. And we have to talk about that as well. Now, does the bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, which is the stuff you have compounded at your pharmacy, and right. it's not a pharmaceutical that is pushed by, you know, by a doctor, right. uh, does it have the same risks of breast cancer and some other things? No. That the... Okay. That's what I thought. At least if the research that I'm using shows that it has a much mm-hmm. less, a, a much lower risk than the synthetic hormones that they're using um, yeah. because, because these, and, and because these also are used the bioidentical. I like uh, using the topicals more so than the oral because you have to use less of it so that you get to use a much lower dosage to attain the same effects. What's your thoughts then on the pellet therapy? I have done pellets before, but I did not do them long because I started doing my research and because a lot of women were having problems with overshooting what they needed. And once that pellet is in there, it's kind of like, oh, well, can't do anything about it. 
it's just going to have to run its course over the next five mm-hmm. months. And so it was, I was just getting these huge swings, you know, but it's, it's still maybe a viable option for some women if they can find their dose and keep it at that level. But there's so many other things that impact the uh, transportation, the cell signaling, the detoxification elimination of your estrogen. So at any time you could have, you know, fluctuations despite finding your dose per se. Well, um, one thing is the norm now with these young girls is every girl I know after she starts menstruating is on birth control uh-huh. pills because a doctor told her it clears up her skin. Right. It helps her with cramps. And these are young girls that mm-hmm. are not sexually active. I know some are right. I'm not making, this is not a statement about somebody's morality. It's a statement of their health. Right. What's your opinion on that of just bombarding these young girls with these hormones? I say that because I know a girl who just got off the pill because she was told it was helping her acne and her cramps, and she had an acne outbreak unlike anything I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm just wondering, did the body kind of purge all of that? It was holding back, and now it's come out? Well, you know, yes. Can it help clear up the skin? Yeah, I've seen it time and time again do that. But at the, but you have to think long term. What are these synthetic hormones doing? And for a lot of girls, it's making them depressed and overweight because it interferes with your thyroid activity. And it's also not good for your gut health. So what right. is, what are we doing? Yes, it may be clearing up your skin, but what are the long-term downstream effects? And also, might there be something else going on in the body causing you to have acne? And why are your hormones mm. off to begin with? So our cramps, is is that a gut health connection? Absolutely, yes. And a lot of nutrient deficiencies um, and things like that. I know that when um, I cleaned up my diet um, and when I take my fish oil like I should and I lay off the sugar, because I do, I I have a sweet tooth always had it. It's much better now, but I still succumb. But I I can tell my my I will have cramps and I know I can look back and like, yeah, Amy, you've been stressed out. You've been eating not that great and you've not been diligent about, you know, uh, your diet and, and, and your supplementation with your fish oil and things like that. And I can tell every time. So what do you think cravings are? Cravings, just your body's way of saying something's not right. Usually, yes. And it's usually a microbiome issue. Um, when I am eating like I should and I, cause I do supplement, I take a multivitamin probiotics, fish oil, um, every day and my, I don't crave things when I'm eating like I should, but if I get off the wagon and I'm eating a lot of sugar and, uh, simple carbs, you know, and I'm stressed out. Stress is a big one. It it changes your gut microbiome, and it it goes more. You might have more yeast in there that just screams, "Give me sugar, give me carbs, mm-hmm. give me sugar, give me carbs," and that's when you start. You know, it's a big vicious cycle. People get it, get themselves into. Have you ever done that yeast elimination? Diet. Um, I have, I mean, we have placed a lot of our patients on, you know, anti-candida diets, yeah. um, which it's, is not fun. With, and you have to go slow with those because it can, the, the die off from candida can be very toxic <laughs> to the body. Oh. 
And it smells. It like, smells. I, and, I, I stuck. Yeah. And a lot of people mm. will develop rashes and flu-like symptoms. And that's when you know you've got to mm-hmm. slow things down. And a lot of people don't want to oh. hear that. They just want to, you know, they want this to be over in a week. And I'm sorry, it does not happen that quickly. And if you try to rush it, it is just going to backfire on you. So a little bit of patience is needed when you're when you're doing these types of things. It didn't take you a know. week to get there. It's going to right. take you a week that's to, right. you know. I guess we know we have billions of bacteria, both good trillions, and bad. Yeah. Okay, trillions. Wow. In our gut. How do we know when the bad guys are gone? The bad guys, are they always going to be there? Yeah. Well, there's there's good, bad. There's, there's certain um, bacteria that you want a lot of in your GI tract. You're always going to have it's, – it's only – it's, they only become bad when a certain population start overgrowing and they start causing problems. So there's just always a balancing act going on in your GI tract, which will work itself out if you just adhere to common sense lifestyle principles. It's not rocket well, science. Right. Well, your lifestyle principle that now is a part of my everyday diet. And I really think I had just... In the last few months, haven't changed anything except addressing what we talked about maybe six months ago uh, by having the good sauerkraut. There's Bubby's and then mm-hmm. Fresh Market here in Little Rock has a sauerkraut that is made with, because we're looking for cultured, fermented, yes, right? Those absolutely. are the terms we mm-hmm. want. And I started doing sauerkraut, increasing my probiotics, having yogurt every day and kombucha. And I dropped five pounds like that, not doing anything else. Mm-hmm. And I just think... It's amazing. There's something to that. Yeah, yes. there's something to that. And But there are people who say they don't like the kombucha or vinegar flavor, and they don't like sauerkraut. What are they to do then? Just hold <laughs> their nose and eat? Yeah, I don't know if it's something you can work up to. Um, I'm not a fan of kombucha. I remember one time I got a hold of a bottle. I thought it was tea, and I almost threw oh, up. No. <laughs> It's not tea. <laughs> no, but I, I happen to like sauerkraut and things like that. But, you know, but if Me you too. don't, then a probiotic is going to be necessary. Uh, you, you know, our um, ketchup used to be fermented, and now they just <gasps> use vinegar in it. They used to really? ferment all so, kinds of things because it kept your your vegetables and pres- things preserved. preserved. It. it was mm-hmm. a natural preservative, and we've gotten away from that because it's it's uh, not as cheap to make. Right. So truly, the good sauerkraut, if it's fermented, I mean, what? Because I know the kombucha has a scoby, mm-hmm. which is a nasty looking thing that looks like placenta. I mean, I don't care who you are, because I went to the, I took the class. There's a lady in Little Rock who makes it, you know, uh, uh, Julie Majors yeah, and yeah. all of her stuff, right? Me too. And hers is hers is really really good. But so, and she even makes her own sauerkraut. Of course, she does. But what is it that they're <laughs> having to use? She's amazing. What is it they're you that she uses or the Bubby's people use? Is it a mother culture? It 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 is, and you can there's there's uh, bacteria on the vegetables themselves. That actually will do the fermenting if you let them. And a lot of people will like get these, spend a lot of money on the mother from San Francisco. Well, as soon as you get it back to Arkansas, it's going to change to the environment of Arkansas. So it really is specific to San Francisco and your environment. 
So the sourdough bread that like your husband makes, mm-hmm. it he has an and a Pulaski County or a Perry County mother. Yeah. Right. Right. Culture. <laughs> Sounds like we're saying bad words from mother culture <laughs> <laughs> that he uses. And so that's when bread's good for you. If you can find truly yes. made that the authentic made sourdough bread. Yeah. It, it, it is using the, it's the bacteria that is on the wheat itself. Wow. Is what is fermenting it. So that's amazing. So our forefathers, ancestors, they didn't have refrigeration. No. So things. This, this is fermented. what they did. Yeah. Yeah. The things fermented. And so do you think their gut health, it had to be way better than ours because they had no Hands down. And everything was fermented. Yes. Everything. So what are some other things that we could eat that we could have that could be fermented? I mean, if ketchup at one time was fermented. Yeah, I know, fermented. right? I, uh, so we, you can't find that anywhere? Uh, there are some pla- You can actually ferment your own ketchup. You could actually go buy like organic Heinz and ferment it yeah. if you wanted to. Okay. And make it, and make it a little bit healthier. But then also you have to understand that we have probiotics like the fermented foods provide you the probiotics, right? The bacteria. But really what's more important is the prebiotics. Um, you don't need to take probiotics every day if you're just giving those bacteria that are already populating it the, the fuel that they prefer so that they thrive and reproduce. And that is fiber, Oh, uh, then, but fiber we always hear about is either in that nasty stuff you put in your Metamucil. water. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, I mean, where else are we, where's the most authentic place to get fiber? Fruits and vegetables. Hello, Be- beans and legumes. Okay. Uh, you might want to soak your beans and legumes overnight so that, you know. So you prefer dried beans as opposed to a can? Actually, bean. the cans have been, um, they've been pressure cooked. So that gets okay. rid of a lot of the offensive things about beans and legumes for a lot of people. You know, they, they complain of bloating and things like that. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. Actually, the can was actually, you know, they're, they're um, processed in a way that eliminate a lot of those issues with it. But if you're going to use dried beans and peas, and this is a great topic for Paul, um, is just to, he likes to soak his uh, and rinse them repeatedly. And, and that helps me tolerate them a lot better. Because I make my own hummus, but I use canned chickpeas. That's I'm fine. wondering now, should should I? Okay, I didn't know if I should yeah. then boil them and do all the things. No, it, it, um, Paul uses the canned ones too. With his hummus yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff like that, or yeah. any type of bean product. Yeah. Because he's your, not just your husband, engineer, office manager, but he's your chef. And right? he's, yeah, and, and my farmer. farmer. Yes. Yeah. Paul, Paul is, he's just a jack of all trades, but he is really good when it comes to farming, organic farming in particular, um, animal husbandry and cooking. He's lived all over the world, so he's picked up a lot of um, oh. of, of skills in the kitchen, and uh, he's just really good at it. I'm so, so lucky. <laughs> I know. I know. So blessed. You are definitely blessed. Um, anything we talk about, I'm going to put in our show notes for today, and you can definitely get in touch with uh, Dr. Beard. She's very uh, vocal on the social media when they when they let her. <laughs> when I'm sometimes, not in jail. <laughs> so, right. Sometimes she has to zip it. And she oh, I never zip it. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. Well, they zip you. Yeah, they zip They zip you right. for a minute. Yeah. yeah. I love how you totally changed the spelling of vaccine. Yeah. Well, so you have to you beat the, keep, the algorithms. Yeah. That's right. That's right. In order uh, to keep things going. Okay. Let's talk about um, mammograms. Okay. What's your opinion on the mammogram? Oh, Lisa, don't get me into trouble. You know, <laughs> like you care. Come on, well, like, like you, like you're threatened by anybody or not. You know, I just from from the research I've done, it it provides a lot of false positives, and uh, you know, and then the women go for their biopsies, which is a if you've never done one, it's a it's you've got this. You know, you've got the, you've got your mammogram that comes back bad, right? And you, and women are freaking out, and you've got and they're and often it's just you know a couple of weeks of freak out, and then they have to go through the biopsy itself, which is not fun, you know. And then it comes back, oh, it's okay. How many times has this happened to women? I hear um, it all the time. I know, I know, right? And then you've got the issue with the radiation exposure every time you do this, which is to me a big issue. I know everybody. Oh, it's just an X-ray. No, it 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 has a cumulative effect over your lifetime. And I've already had my fair share of CT scans and X-rays growing up with all my health yeah. issues. I don't want yeah. any more. And so, uh, an option which I like is thermography. I think it does yeah, a pretty I think it does a pretty good job. And I have a lot of women who have gone that route and so far so good, you know. And then of course doing regular breast exams on yourself. That's important as well. You know your breasts better than anybody. Touch them, feel them on a regular basis to see if you notice anything. Well, I had um so I've been using thermography for many years. I did have an um, a mammogram at 40 because of the pressure. Right. And then I start mm -hmm. doing the research. And so I've chosen for me, mm -hmm. member bio-individuality. Right, and you right. do you. Anyone listening right now, you're never going to listen to me again. Fine. I mean, but the, as for me and my boobs, we're going right. to the thermographer. And so one did come up with, because they are heat patterns, and it did come up questionable. Dr. Beer, do you know what it took for me to go to a breast imaging center and fight them not to have the mammogram? I mean- they all I wanted was an ultrasound because mm -hmm. that was my next step. Right. Because I, I I knew I didn't need, and my healthcare provider said, you don't need a biopsy. We just need to look a little deeper into this. Right. And I had to sign my life away. In fact, I've, I've heard other friends who have gone to the same facility and they wouldn't allow her to leave. They made the customer. <laughs> this is what I know. They said, you have to have the mammogram. And they didn't know how to fight it. And I just said, I'm not going to. And then I heard from um, the radiologist. I mean, Charlie Brown's mother. Wah, 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 wah. He told me after he came and did the ultrasound, he said, you're fine. He said, in fact, you have very dense breast tissue. Yes. and You're not really a good candidate for mammograms. But then he said, but I have to tell you, we prefer you getting a mammogram. I go, but you, wait, you just told exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah. And then he, it was, it was something he'd memorized. It was a right. spiel right. on why I needed to have a mammogram. Mm -hmm. And I just said, thank you very much. This is clear. Cause he gave me my results. He goes, yeah, you're fine. Yeah. I went, see ya. So it's, it's just what you have to do to advocate for yourself. And my health insurance did cover the ultrasound. I did see in Little Rock where they have these traveling ultrasound texts now that mm -hmm. are coming for breast ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And like I got something in the mail and said, 
if you're considering looking at breast imaging and an alternative is the breast ultrasound, do you feel like it does, would it show then if there was a mass or a growth or a fibroid or whatever? I don't even know what different issues come with breast health. It's, it really comes down to looking at the mass, any type of mass itself. Is it fluid filled? What does the mass look like? And depending on the ultrasound image, you can stratify, okay, does she need to go get a biopsy at this point? Or, oh, you're good, you know, just a fluid filled cyst, whatever. Because I did um, a little, I just wanted to get out of there live, you know, I did acquiesce and he said, now, if this comes back questionable, we're going to really want you to have a mammogram. I was like, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so what would have been my next step? I mean, I didn't get there. Maybe I would have then had to have had the biopsy at that right. point if that if the ultrasound were questionable, because I really didn't want. So the ultrasound, too, has less radiation. No, an ultrasound. No, no radiation. Yes, exactly. OK, good. Yeah. Okay. So my next step would have been. And again, for me, that's what fits for me. Anybody listening, you do you because I do. I know there are many, many stories of women who are 40 who just, they do find um, breast cancer that they wouldn't have found right. if right. had they not done it. So again, yeah. this is all about personal choice. It is. And that's all I want. I just want the ch- the ability to choose what I do to my body. Right. And, and that's what medicine was, you know, uh, doctors are there to advise and counsel, not pressure and coerce somebody into doing something. We, we, we are still yeah. individuals and we can make up our own minds. And whether or not you agree with the choice a person is making about their health, that's on them. All you can do is provide your advice and your, your, your experience with certain conditions and then let the, let the person do what they want to do. Even though you know it is a horrible decision, what, you know, at least you feel that way, it's on them. It's called personal liberty, yeah. right? Yeah. Isn't that great? Let's keep those. And I don't know what happened to that in medicine. Uh, maybe it was always like that, and it's just now showing itself more so. But I, I just, um, it's, it's. I don't like it. I don't like what I'm seeing with all this pressure and attack on people when they don't want to do what their doctor wants them to do. Well, there are certain medical groups that won't see you if you don't adhere to this, this, and this. I know. So I know. Yeah, you you really do have to you have to shop. Yes. You, you, we need all you doctors out like on the car lots. Like, you know, instead of, you know, there there's the Mercedes dealer and the Ford dealer. We need the functional medicine guys here. Yes. We need the traditional Western medicine guys here. And then you can you can go shop or y'all need to go to like a Lilith Fair, you know, yeah. something where there's a fair. We can go talk to each one of you and find out some things. Because let's talk about, I mean, a lot of people listening aren't familiar with the philosophies of functional medicine. You know, is it voodoo? Is it supplement <laughs> selling? You know, well, you just have to. Yeah, exactly. How do you define it? You know, as for me, it's just an approach to health. It is um, uncovering and addressing the root causes of your health issues which are just names given to symptoms, okay? A diagnosis is just a name they have given to a collection of symptoms, typically. But that's a Western philosophy mm-hmm. uh, because the Indians for years, I mean, Eastern medicine has always looked at what's going on with your gut. I mean, right, yeah. for starters, or or your chi or your whatever. I mean, right. 
they're looking at you. So this is something that probably 20th century medicine has done great things. And I, I oh, think yeah, we can all sure. agree the mm-hmm. great strides that medicine has made. What would you do, Dr. Beard? This is a hypothetical. Um, and I know you've thought about this. What would you do if you were diagnosed with cancer? Hmm. I... You know, that that's a tough, it depends on what type of cancer also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'd be looking at, okay, Amy, first of all, why did you get it? And have oh. you eliminated the reason why you may have gotten that? So and, you really do think things besides smoking, the yeah. obvious ones. Oh, there's all kinds of things yeah. that are causing cancer. Um, and I think they know it. <laughs> but cancer is a huge multi-billion dollar industry. Okay. And anytime uh, I have noticed that when doctors speak out about alternatives to cancer treatment, of course, your standard, they get shut down and you don't see them again. You know, and I know, and I know other, and I know people, and this could be the exception, but I knew, I do know people who chose to take an alternative route for their cancer and did fine. Now, it depends on the cancer, how far along is it, and things like that. There's a lot of things to consider, but uh, just to completely shut down people for even um, thinking about alternative ways is a big red flag for me. And I want to know what they're saying. I want to know what what they have found. Mm -hmm. So that would mean that chemotherapy, which we know saves lives, also kills lives. Yes, yes. Yeah, Yeah, it does. And that it's just a poison. So that's probably something you probably would think long and hard. And again, look at that individual case to see if that's the right route for you. Yeah. So, I mean, there's something to... Yes, there um, is. Even hydroxychloroquine. The, if you research hydroxychloroquine, the, uh, the the medication that has just been completely poo-pooed over the last year, um, that... It's it's uh, they're thinking perhaps it could be another treatment for cancer. Really? Yes. Well, I hope Trump didn't get behind it because oh yeah, they, yeah. I mean, if it's a certain politician, a friend of ours when he had COVID was not feeling well, but he went really went to the doctor for something else, and I don't know if it's connected. Doesn't right. matter. But when he when they did admit him to the hospital and the guy came in, he goes, look, I, I mean, it's like he was a drug dealer. He goes, I need to ask you something. He goes, are you a conservative or a liberal? And our friend went, well, why are you asking? He goes, well, he said, if you're a conservative, I can offer you hydro hydroxychloroquine. And I went, wait, we're now basing their, we're talking to patients <laughs> about their political leanings. Well, that's medicine's been politicized. And it's Isn't a shame. Insane? You know it, what, it's Lisa? So silly. I had a, a gentleman who um, was t- he 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 was treated with hydroxychloroquine um, while he was after he had been diagnosed with prostate cancer, and he was oh. his PSA levels came down when he was on hydroxychloroquine. Wait, so it really has meant it was an anti-malaria drug in the beginning. In the beginning, right? yes. Okay. And, so yeah. is it antiviral yes. too? They have been, and in fact, there, there's a lot of research shows it has been used for for viruses. This is, so does that mean there's a connection then between cancer and viruses? It's just it's, there's a connection between immune dysregulation. 
Yeah. You know, immune dysregulation. when people become symptomatic with a viral infection, it means your immune system is, you know, maybe not up to snuff or maybe it is. Maybe you just got a mild case and, you know, went on about your business. Great. Your immune system's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Dealt with it. Got well, over then it. I- I know we've talked a lot about women's health, but what about men's health and uh, prostate screenings and antigens and oh. PSAs? What do, what do you think, too, we could just go back to keep your gut health yes, in good shape? Yes, absolutely. And- absolutely. Stress, mm-hmm. the whole thing. It's, it's, it really is. It's lifestyle. It's lifestyle, people. Then what's your opinion? Because I know you and your husband both are big time hardcore athletes, but a lot of those athletes have high cortisol levels. Mm-hmm. They have they do tear down their bones Absolutely. and muscles. Yes. I mean it's and again, that's stress. Yes. It's really not it a is. good thing. So do you have to tell like have you had to tell yourself as an athlete to kind of take yeah. a back seat or maybe mm-hmm. slow down or your husband is also mm-hmm. was he a runner in college he was yes he was uh, he ran for georgia tech in college and, okay. and continued so, to do so afterwards but we both have just like i wish we could we, we both wish we could go back in time and tell our 20 year old selves you're doing it wrong we we think about i think how better of an athlete i could have been if i would have applied functional medicine principles back then like what? Just getting off the crap, Get, and, eating and better, feeling, your, feeling yeah. my body better, sleeping, not partying all the time. You know, we were young; we could do it all, but we mm-hmm. were and over exercising, mm-hmm. doing way too much. You know, I know this now, looking back. And I have to, t- and we get, so, you know, co- we get professional athletes that come through our practice, and you and telling them to slack off is a big deal. You know, they just Ooh, they oh, I bet they are furious when you tell them But then again, some of them are so beat down and so tired and so sick that they'll they'll do whatever because they've just reached that point. Do they see things turn around then? Yeah, absolutely. It's not fast. It it takes time for your body to recover. But if you give it some time and the right inputs, it will do that. The body is marvelous at healing itself if you give it what it needs and remove all the things that is is harming it. And you love a good eight nine hours of sleep, right? Yes. Seven to nine. Yes. And that kind of I'm, a, I'm an eight hour girl. I can, I don't even have to set my alarm clock. I wake up you eight just, hours later. You're up. Mm-hmm. So what if you wake up at six? Do you make yourself go back to bed? You know, for somebody who does, my husband always says, I'm fine at six, six and a half. And my son, listen, he listens to all the podcasts. He's like, no, dad, you've got to get eight. My husband's lying in bed going, can I wake up now? I want coffee. <laughs> you know, People are different. You know, some people yeah, could get by on seven hours and good for you. You know, that's that's just who they are. So I just tell people that you, you need to go to bed and wake up at the same time. Get some consistency. Your body loves some consistency and um, let the chips fall where they may. You know, if, if you're feeling tired during the day and you're needing to drink coffee, perhaps you're not getting good restorative sleep at night. Yeah. And it's not always the yeah. length. It's the quality of your sleep. Okay. Yeah. Get rest, get the pets out of your bed, you know, which will keep you up. A friend of mine, I was doing my first little health history. And so when I was going through everything, she was, I said, you sleep through the night. She was, well, my cat gets up at three to pee. And then my cat poops at four. And I go, where's your cat? She was, I went to bed with (laughs) you. It's like, 
Okay. I think we could eliminate that problem. Yeah. And that's a tough one. So, yeah, it is. That's right. Because your pets are your, they're your they're, people. They're so babies. I get yeah, it. Yeah. And I know you're big this time of year. Get out in the sunlight. Just Please. get absorbed yes. vitamin D. Yes, yeah. yes, and yes. And so we have no excuse, especially in Arkansas, wherever you're listening right now, you may be in a different, you know, I know in Australia you're getting into your winter, but we have beautiful sunlight day, sunlit days here. And now's the time to get out. Uh in the northern hemisphere. So right. I know you'll probably do that today. I haven't checked the forecast, but I know you'll go out at you some get point out every day in the sun. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I whether I were, you know, riding our bikes or taking a hike, I take breaks and take the poodle outside, roam around in the pastures, let him run, and I get my sunlight. It rejuvenates me. I feel better when I'm in sunlight. That's why I think I love Colorado so much, is because it's just intense yeah. and I feel better. And in the wintertime, I do not do well. And neither does my, you know, my father. We just get kind of down. It's just not my. It's awful. It is. It Mm -hmm. is. It's awful. Especially in Arkansas. Yeah. One more question. I'll let you go. What about sunscreen then? Because sunscreen can be Mm. so dangerous for you. Yes. uh, There's a lot of nasty stuff in sunscreens. And it's just going directly. You put it on your skin. It's going directly into your bloodstream. So. Yeah what we got to talk about you know that that's an issue for me um i do i i have found some that i thought were less toxic that i will apply to my face uh, and when i'm in colorado because you just the sun is intense out there but i have now i have my big hats i put on okay. and i get okay. the really yeah. thin uh, long sleeve shirts when I'm out in the sun in so midday, you'll still absorb vitamin D. You can with the long absolutely sure, and it doesn't. T- okay, and, and I might roll my sleeves up or something and get a little bit of sun, you know, twenty minutes or so, and then I'm covering them back up. Yeah, and that works for yeah, me. Preserving, yeah, preserving our health because you are fair, yes. blonde, green or blue eyed, fair skin. So you do have to look at things. So and don't go okay, out in the well, middle of the day when the sun is you know, right overhead. That's, you're just asking to get sunburned at that point. And we never, a sunburn's always bad, right? Yeah. Yes. It's, it's damage. And I, it's just, yeah, I can see that I've had a lot of sun damage in my life because I was a cyclist. Just didn't, you know, yeah. Always didn't out think the sun. about it. Yeah. Well, thanks for what you do. Anyone can get in touch with you again, all that information in the show notes and, uh, you go out there and uh, the dog is the dog, Bo. Bo, yeah. Bo regard. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Right. Bo regard. Right. You and Bo go and Paul go outside and get some of the vitamin D we for will. today. Everybody listening, do the same thing. Yes. Get your vitamin D. Yes, yes, yes. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for listening to the Lisa Fisher Said Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and download all the episodes and leave a review, won't you? The Lisa Fisher Said Podcast is produced by ClantonCreative.com.